And so therefore, if you say, well, I would like to become like that, that's an expression of the way you are. You couldn't feel, I would like to become like that, like the authority, like the Christ, except as an expression of the way you are now. And the way you are now is the quaking mess. And therefore, your emulation, your desire, your idealism to become like Christ is merely one of the appetites of your quaking mess. It's an expression of you as you are. Don't fool yourselves. I'm not trying to put you down by talking about the quaking mess. The quaking mess may be, in fact, something very, very natural. The way we are, the state of affairs, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I've told you all that, frankly. <laughs> but it is important not to fool oneself about this. But there does, doesn't there, seem to remain a problem about existence, about being alive. Now let's go into what is that problem at the sort of nitty-gritty level. Very basic in our thinking is that we, as it say, one must live. We need to survive, to go on. We need, therefore, money for food, for this, that and the other. We must go on. And we know that we're not going to get away with it for very long. That after a certain number of years we're going to die. The, the, the thing is going to end. The thing that we call I is going to be as it is in sleep. Deep sleep with no dreams. But that between now and that happening, there may be the most ghastly pains. Not only perhaps the pains of physical disease or being wounded or hurt, but the pains of worrying about our failure of responsibility to people who depend on us. And we suffer other people's suffering simply because we're sensitive and have imagination and participate in their sufferings and our adrenaline and our chemicals respond simply by imagination to the sufferings of other people. And what about that? And so we can look at these problems and say, now, quite obviously, all these problems cannot be solved in a physical way. That is to say, we do not expect in our lifetime that medical skill will make us exempt from death. We do not seriously expect that human beings will all learn to be nice to each other and will refrain from war and horrors of that kind, racial prejudice and so on. We don't seriously expect to find a method of being protected 
by taking some sort of drug against all possible disease and pain. So therefore we say, now maybe there's another way around. Maybe that instead of solving these problems at the technical level, we could solve them at the psychological and spiritual level by so disciplining ourselves, by so doing something with ourselves, that we wouldn't be afraid of it anymore. And so, in accord with that motivation, we seek out spiritual teachers, psychological teachers, this, that, and the other. Could we somehow be made over so that we don't worry about the quaking mass by a spiritual discipline or whatever? <clears throat> And you see, if you examine that, that this wanting to overcome the quaking mess and not have it anymore, that precisely is the quaking mess. The thing that we object to about ourselves is precisely what we do about overcoming it. In other words, the activity that we employ in overcoming it is the mess that we object to. Do you see that? And it's very important to realize that. And if you do realize it, you raise the question, then what can I do? What can I do to transform the quaking mess into the state of mind of the true mystic? Well, if you are the quaking mess, there is obviously nothing you can do to transform yourself into the state of mind which you idealize as that of being the true mystic, the Christ, the saint, or whatever. So, you realize that uh, everything is phony, that uh, all your ideals are simply manifestations of the quaking mess trying to get away from itself. And that you are put in the position of it is absolutely necessary for me to be different from the way I am. But there's absolutely nothing I can do about it because being the way I am, I cannot be different from that. Let's say this, but we can put it in different ways. I know that I ought not to be selfish, and I would very much like to be an unselfish person, but the reason why I want to be an unselfish person is that I am very selfish and would far more love myself and respect myself if I were unselfish. You see? I know that I ought to love God. And... Uh, whatever, and why do you want to love God? Well, because God is the biggest boss and it's best to be on the side of the big battalions. 
That's really why I want to do it. In other words, because I'm looking for the safety of my own spiritual skin. So I think I ought to love God. Oh, sophisticated saints have known this. St. Paul understood it, St. Augustine understood it, Martin Luther understood it. They didn't know what the hell to do about it. But there was nothing to do about it. And yet something has to be done. Obviously. But you realize when you really look into yourself, There's nothing you can do. And this, therefore, is our point of departure. That we here, perhaps, perhaps not, mutually realize there is nothing we can do to be anything else than what we are. To feel any other way than what we feel at this moment. And to be then this quaking mess which has the capacity for the horrors about what life can do to us. However, this isn't as much of a blind alley, a cul-de-sac, as it sounds. Because if you discover a blind alley,